and welcome to Do the Right Thing, a weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Matthias. And I'm Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis and I are uh, members of an ancient civilization that has just discovered that carving symbols uh, on walls is a good way to carry information towards the future. However, Jarvis and I are very lazy, and we don't know how to chisel these symbols. Uh, So we just don't do it very often. Exactly. So we're doing a challenge. Each week, we sit down for 30 minutes. Our goal is to write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read the story, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you listeners. Exactamundo. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof media production. A doof production. media production. That's right. Um, look at us. Episode 64. <laughs> We've okay. been doing this for t- 12 more weeks than a year. We're doing great. That's true. That's true. And and every single time we still comment on this. It's at this point it's getting a little bit meta because last last time I commented on uh, how we always talk about how we're doing and now I'm commenting on how we always talk about how we're doing. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's... I'm still in disbelief that I am here on my floor next to my dirty closet recording a uh, podcast you know i uh as a Mm -hmm. little young youth i never thought i I would be doing this in fact i thought as a youth that i would probably be on a ship heading towards the moon yeah me me too me too i i thought i was gonna be a scientist starting lizards that i thought that was gonna be my my specialty so i mean i mean there's plenty of time plenty of time in the future to to do that so yeah because I, I know people uh, were telling me that oh yeah you can be a scientist and do anything but no one told me how much work how boring textbooks can possibly be to actually become a scientist so i mm-hmm. just decided to uh write and read books by old dead people instead which is by far a lot more fun than reading any sort of textbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hold this, you know, piece of of uh, pressed uh, tree material in your hands. You look at the scribblings, and then you hallucinate a whole adventure. And it's yeah, it's a it's a, it's a pleasant experience. I I appreciate it. Yeah. So this week our theme is theme. So Matthias, tell me a little bit about what theme means to you. I I, I like themes. I think themes are very useful. <laughs> um. So the the words the words this 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 week suppress um, bad east and goalkeeper yeah so I that's that's where I was trying to to, to pull out a theme from I, I used the first three I used suppress bad east I did not use goalkeeper and you didn't use goalkeeper Pardon. because did just not find its way into your story I or? I just I just didn't want to I just didn't want to do a, a sports story basically I, I sat down and I started writing uh I, I just you know as usual but jump off the the, the points that are there I started with east right they're traveling traveling east um, on the road and I started with a woman and then eventually you know got into what some of the difficulties were mm-hmm. however um and you know well once we see what the stories about this will be you should talk about it, of course but I didn't actually have uh, a story or really like much direction in where I was going until I really thought about like hey what what kind of thing do I want to talk about like I, I at first I was trying to find it organically which is certainly a good way to, to do it but you need other things pulling you forward but for uh, this one I didn't have those other things pull me forward yet um, I read it while I was pretty tired and stuff um, mm-hmm. but eventually you know I was thinking it was like what are some you know, emotions and questions that I, I find myself thinking about a lot. And eventually I, I remembered one. Then it was much easier to translate that emotion, that feeling, that question 
into the initial thoughts I had of of this this setting and and translate it into this this metaphor. So yeah, um, cool, cool, really cool. Um, so mm-hmm. the process of actually writing this this week, did you find it very easy? Like, did you just charter out a nice thirty minutes of your time, or you know, was it more? sporadic throughout the week uh so it, at first it was it was pretty difficult mostly again because i was just really tired i've been off my meds for like three days just because like i i forgot to to refill because you gotta set an appointment uh-huh. and like talk to them and tell them how you feel <laughs> <laughs> so i just put it off for too long and then i ran out and then uh the day i ran out I, that's when i got my appointment but you know it takes a bit to actually get the prescription again so uh i've been feeling very very tired but once once I had the theme, once I had the feeling, once I had the thing that I wanted to carry out, the entire story came pretty naturally and pretty quickly. And it just took a you know the the amount of time for me to actually write it out. Uh, but I, I once once I had the idea, um, there was no stopping. There was no writer's block. There was no nothing like that. Um, All right, cool. In fact, I, I had to stop a little. I I wanted to continue on a little bit further, but. Um, I decided just to, to find a, a stopping point. Wow, nice. So, so, so the balls definitely uh, definitely started rolling. And I know it's like that bittersweet feeling when it comes to doing the, the right thing, when you do want to keep on going with it. But if you push it out any longer, then you're going to have to read the longest story on the podcast. So that's yeah. that's that's great. Um, is there anything that we really need to know before hopping right on into it? Uh, yeah, no, no, I don't have any anything else to add, I don't think. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and hop right on into the story. All right. The story is called No Drink. A girl pulled a cart along a long, dry road. A knotty, thick rope was wound around her waist and then up, across her chest and back over her shoulders, before attaching to the cart. The cart's wheels wobbled along the stones, and she had to plan her path carefully, always keeping in mind their trajectory and feeling. It was hard to steer, with only a rope, and she didn't want to get stuck somewhere. The cart was heavy, but she had been pulling for a long, long time. Her posture was lean forward, like the figure on the prow of a ship, such that if the rope broke, she would surely fall on her face. At this point, the pulling and the rope felt so natural along her shoulders that she wondered that if she didn't have the cart, would she even be able to walk normally? I want water, the boy inside the cart said. The land was very dry. The road snaked lazily between hills of stone and sand held together by meek scrub and history. They had had very little water, and hardly any opportunity to give them the water she had found. In these lands, there is not much material to make things out of, and the water carriers that do exist are made from animal skins. She had one, a single, flat water skin, made from the remains of a buffalo, lashed to the underside of the cart. She knew exactly how much water it could hold, about the weight of two fist-sized rocks. She always wanted to give it to the boy, but she knew he would not drink. He had taken a vow to never touch the remains of the dead. She had to respect it. Or had to be seen to, anyway. When she had to, which was often in these dry lands, she might trick him into drinking it. A well would be dry, but she would not tell him. Instead, filling the bucket with her own reserve, 
insisting that they had to move on or that the well had suddenly dried if he asked for more. He was always frustrated by that, and she felt all the more guilty for violating his conscience for his own safety. The skin was empty now, anyway. Soon we will reach a hamlet. They have a well, and we will have some water, she said. How much longer, he replied. Soon. Her steps were consistent, a slow beat against the ground. She was glad for one thing. Attached to her back, bound by the same rope that tied her to the cart, was her parasol. It bobbed above her and kept the worst of the sun's glare off of her head. It was made of river reeds from her home. Home was far from here, now, but the parasol seemed almost to hold a hint of that ever-cool place. The sun was caught on the rough edges, so that from afar, she looked like a dull brown beetle, steadily marching through the trail. As they crested a soft hill, she could make out a single line of smoke at the very edge of the horizon. Finally. That was the hamlet, no doubt. She just had to make it there, and she could rest, and they could both have water. I can see it. On the horizon, she said, her spirits lifting. Not long now. Inside the cart, he groaned. That is so far, and it is so hot. We need water. I don't think we're going to make it. She didn't respond. She was so tired, so tired, and the cart was so heavy. But she had to keep pulling, or they would never get there. She suppressed the biting little thoughts, the ones snipping at her conscience, that they would certainly get there if he would just walk, or if... No, she wouldn't think of abandoning him or the cart. She couldn't. It took hours more, in the sun, to reach the hamlet. Her clothing, light but all covering, was covered in sticky sweat. In the last hour, every single step was echoed with a prayer of thanks to her parasol. The heat from the stones beneath her, which radiated through the soles of her sandals, reminded her of just how lucky she was to have the respite of those old reeds. The little houses appeared, and she made her way to their center, where the well was. They were small, made of the same stone and dirt of the surroundings. Truly, they looked merely like square hills, and were not much to boast of. Still, they must have been cool inside. As she entered town, a single goat, resting under the shadow of one hut, bleated. An old man looked out, and then went to join her at the well. "'We're here,' she said. The old man approached, and she said, "'Hello.' "'Hello,' he said. "'You are wanting of water?' "'Yes,' she said, and she could feel heat throbbing in her forehead. "'And to rest a night?' The old man was already shaking his head. "'Rest we can offer, but water?' He turned to the well. "'Our well is running dry. No rains for almost a year here. We cannot give you water, as there is little for ourselves.' Despair reared in her throat, and a quiet panic paced in her arms and chest. Her knees were weak, and she felt she could not move, or she would fall and never move again. Her eyes strained, telling her she should cry, but of course, there were no tears. Behind her, she heard feet hit the dirt. 
The boy walked up beside her, laid a hand on her arm. What is wrong? The boy said. He looked like her, dark-skinned, tired. He was weaker, though, grown weaker by staying in the cart so long. Still, if they lived in the city, like the one they had once lived in years ago, he would not look out of place. He wasn't adapted to the desert, but neither was he atrophied. The old man did not say anything, and she cursed him for his cowardice, for forcing her to be the one to tell her boy what new bad thing had befallen them. She swallowed, and her throat closed for a moment, sticky. They do not have water for us, she said, finally. They have hardly water for themselves. No, he said, and instantly his voice wavered in that same despair that was in her throat. It clutched her heart, pulling it in tight, cutting strings toward somewhere deeper and darker in her. No, please, we need water. We will die without water. The old man shook his head. We cannot. We will die if we give you water. The boy spat, and the girl's instincts went wild for a moment. She wanted to strike him for wasting water and for antagonizing the old man when the situation could still be salvaged. Curse you, the boy said. Curse your land and your well and your goat. The girl's anger flared as bright as the sun and as indiscriminate. Internally, she cursed too, but for different reasons. At the man for not giving the same sort of sacrifice she did, and the well for not having water, and the sky for refusing to rain, and the sun for shining so bright, and the man's goat as well for taking the water that might have gone to them. She cursed the boy harshly for being unable or unwilling to walk. She could never tell which. And she cursed herself for letting them get this bad. If she hadn't had to pull the cart, how much further would they be? Would they be at the river now? But she didn't do any of those things, didn't say any of them. The sun was in her eyes, and she blinked. Finally, she croaked. Get back in the cart, and let me speak to him. The boy complied and did so. Please, she told the old man. We need the water, she thought rapidly. Could we trade? Anything? Labor? Our clothes? The old man shook his head. Those things are less precious than water. Still, maybe. Yes, she asked. It would be a gamble for us that rain falls before we need it, but we could trade for the cart or your parasol. They would be a boon for us if we last through harvest. I cannot offer much. One bucket of water for the cart, half one for the parasol. One or the other, not both. The girl reeled internally. A bucket was enough water for both of them. Half was enough for one. Enough to last to the next well, perhaps. But she considered what he asked for. She hated to give up the parasol. Things were so hard already, without the sun screaming into her eyes and her skin. Without it, she would be nearly blind for half the day when the sun was in the east. Her skin would prickle with heat, and a few cool drops of sweat would boil away. 
the thought made her despair. There was the other offer, the cart. But there was no way she could give it up. How would the boy continue? He had never walked for more than an hour, at most, and that had been a special circumstance. The time after, when she had begged and pleaded for him to walk, he had, but it had only been a short while before he had stopped and said he could not go on. She pulled on his arm, begged him, told him that they would die if he did not go on, and he only said, I can't, I can't, I can't. She had collapsed and sobbed, and he did too. He didn't want to be this way. In fact, he hated himself for it, too. He told her to go on without him, to leave him there, to die, because he deserved it, because he was useless. And for a moment, she considered. She hated herself for that. In the end, she had shouldered the cart again, and he had crawled inside, and they had gone on, and they didn't die then. She could not give up the cart, not without facing that decision again. And she could not face that decision again. The parasol, she found herself saying. I will trade you the parasol. Didn't sound like her. She took it off her shoulders, and after running her hand over the reeds one final time, smelling that coolness from home, she handed it over. The old man nodded, then went to the well and retrieved half a bucket of water. When he handed it to her, he clasped a hand to her arm, met her eyes. His were dark and dry, too. You should drink the water yourself, he said. She only shook her head. She went inside the cart, told the boy that she had talked things out, that the old man had had a change of heart. She watched as the boy drank the water greedily. When it was half empty, he pressed it into her hands and told her to drink. She refused. He insisted. But she saw how dry his lips still were, how they cracked and flaked. And so when she lifted the bucket to her lips, she only pressed it there. Felt the cool liquid wash against her lips. She swallowed her own saliva, even as her body screamed at her to open her lips, to drink it all. But she couldn't. If she did, he would die. She was sure of it. She set the bucket down and told him her stomach was full. She set the bucket down and told him her stomach was full and for him to drink the rest. Are you sure? Yes. They slept the night in one of the huts. In the morning, she shouldered her burden and headed back along the path. The old man waved at them as they went, the parasol over one shoulder. The boy didn't see. He was in the cart. Two months later, the rains finally fell. Shoots of grass turned the fields as green as apples, and life returned to the land. The old man went out with what meager money he had down the path to get to the next town, hoping to trade the parasol for some more seeds. If he made quick, he might have time to plant them before the lands dried, maybe even enough time for them to sprout. Two days' journey down the path, he found the cart. One skeleton was tangled in rope, face down in front. The other curled up inside. 
All right. Well, fantastic story, Matthias. Honestly, I think this is definitely one of uh, your best ones that you've written. I really love this tone that you're really using throughout. Um, uh, how dire and desperate this situation, this situation really seems. Uh, and I also really love what you're saying about self sacrifice. You know, I think that's a, uh, and it comes across beautifully on the page. So, uh, really what kind of brought you about to want to write this story this week and how did the words really influence that for you? Um, right. So I, I just had the, the original, um, setting first first mm-hmm. um of just a you know a desert traveling along the road and i just had i had a character walking along the road and then i decided well i'll make it a woman because i don't want to always make it you know it, it just let's not just always assume a male protagonist mm-hmm. and then after i was thinking about themes that's when you know i, I got to that question of you know i i mean i have this thing and i don't want to like I have very complicated feelings about it because uh, internally I view it as like a virtue, even though it's not good at all. But mm-hmm. like like self sacrifice to the point of you know the the your, your self deteriorating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I constantly have a uh, this feeling of like I'm not doing enough, even if I'm doing a lot already. Mm-hmm. And so this is a way of like me exploring the not exploring but just another way for me to articulate to myself like hey maybe it's not always a, a a good feeling to have and maybe you need to ignore it and sometimes you you know you do have to be selfish yeah. um so i i thought that that theme you know I, it's something i think about a lot i think there's a lot of stuff that a lot of questions that a lot of people do actually think about a lot a lot of themes that people do find themselves thinking about and it's just a matter of like identifying that this is a thought process that you return to a lot of the times mm-hmm. It, you know, in different flavors, or this is something you struggle with, etc. Um, and this this is one of them for me. Definitely. I mean, the ending portrays what you're trying to say so well. How the person pulling this, this cart is constantly sacrificing water to this other person who isn't really doing much. I'm under the impression that they're just not as able, right? But as we get yeah. to the very end, we kind of see that her sacrificing water so often to this other person not only killed her but killed the other person also and i don't know it perfectly kind of rounds out this 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 story and the message that yes self-sacrifice can be noble and typically it is seen as very noble but in this case and in a lot of other cases that could be similar it's is detrimental to all parties especially for the person that is carrying this boat to be sacrificing these things just makes it a issue for everyone else, which I thought that was a really great ending. It was, I don't know, I guess the word that I'm thinking of is it was very mature. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you liked it so much and that um, it, it came across so clearly. Uh, so in this story, the old man that they meet, uh, since it seems like everything within it is representational of something else in this story what does the old man represent that's a good question because i didn't really think about uh, that that wasn't one part that i was like thinking about a lot so so i actually have to think about this um i mean it's, it's multiple things of course it's like any kind of outside opportunity slash cost kind of thing mm-hmm. um but I mean, it's also, you know, the, the, the message that, you know, he says is just, you know, actually, you know, take care of yourself. It's, you know, other people in the life of someone that, that struggles with this kind of thing where from an outside perspective, 
you know, you can you can tell, you can see, you know, what the what the damage is and what you know, the person should really be doing to preserve themselves, but internally, like, it can be really, really, really hard to ac- accept that notion. And also, it's I, it's a thing to where this old man is on the outside of this relationship that yeah. they have, looking in. It, some of this is hard to talk about because, um, you know, this is somewhat drawn from some real-life experiences, mm-hmm. and, like, obviously, I haven't been, you know, going through the desert until I uh, die of um, uh, of thirst, so it's not it's not that literal, but, yeah, there, there, there's parts of this where I want to talk about, but I don't know how to f- talk about it without being like, oh, this person in my life was was this way, and so yeah. I represented it like this, you know? Yeah, I, I don't, don't want to do that. Again, it's, it's the, like, very relatable idea of sacrifice, and how you are sacrificing mm-hmm. for this other person that you were in some sort of uh, re- relationship with, whether that's brother and sister or, you know, dating or, or like, whatever. The, the other complication that is here, because it's not just about the self-sacrifice. It's also, like, I, I, I wish I had explored it a little bit more, but I was just trying to, like, carry out at least one thing successfully mm-hmm. and not just juggle too many things. So it, there's only, like a, like, a hint of this, I guess. But this other notion of um, someone who physically feels incapable of helping themselves, mm-hmm. like, it's not, like, the, the person, the boy in the car is not, they're not incapable of walking. Yeah. I don't know how clear that they can't come across, but they are unwilling to walk where they think that they can't, you know, whatever extenuating factor, but it's always, like, you don't know how much of that is actually on the 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 person like the reality is is that you cannot make them walk and if they do not walk then you will both die uh-huh. and therefore the only way for both of you to live is if they you know get in the car and you pull unless if you're willing to leave them and the cart you're, you are left with a binary choice because they are since, since they cannot or will not walk you are left with a binary choice of uh, pulling the cart or leaving them and if you're not able to leave them then you have to pull the cart yeah. 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 And so so there's there's more that I wanted to do there, more talking about like the girl's like motivations and thought processes and you know the that internal struggle she has constantly. Mm-hmm. Um but um yeah, there just wasn't a ton of room for it, especially cuz it's also just something hard to like handle with nuance. Yeah. Also like through yeah. through the frame that you're kind of telling it, um I get this idea that I mean it seems very storytelling, you know? Um, yeah. To where it's this streamlined story that can be representative of, of so many things. The the desert being dry, wanting water, where someone could take this very literal, or they could kind of see these multiple layers that you're kind of layer that's kind of layering on there. Yeah, yeah. So it has multi levels. I'm sure someone could actually you know read in into this a bunch and be like, well, the desert because it's this dry feeling it reminds me of you know whatever like whatever that resonates inside of a person for me like although it's interesting the the motivations for the story went you know desert first and then i found the theme as a as a separate thing so i don't know how i mean they might be tied together i don't know the the feeling of of dryness and and this has been represented in a couple of my stories before reminds me a lot of just feelings of depression Mm -hmm. of just like you know, like uh, summer heat laziness, where you just like can't get out of bed. Yeah, that's that's like the feeling of of depression for me. Yeah, it's somewhat related to that of just that discomfort that you can't really get away from, get rid of. Even if you, even when you do have water, it's it's not enough. Like you need to you need to be like in a cold pool to to get rid of that kind of heat. Yeah, so that that's what that's what it was connected to to me. But of course, you know, someone else could connect it to something else. 
or of just you know something with a, a, a constant difficulty I mean you know you could just connect it to financial trouble mm-hmm. um, or, or whatever else so yeah yeah there's, yeah there's a lot of options here yeah there, yeah there are so many different avenues that you can possibly go down when trying to analyze this this story uh, and that's just a testament to how good this story really is um, so going back, uh, since this week we are, we are talking about theme and, and you've already talked about exactly what went into trying to, uh, think about and conceptualize this theme, but when it actually came to, to writing it, did you find any difficulty when it came to kind of bringing that theme out into the light or was it very natural as soon as you had the main idea for it well surprisingly actually it wasn't that difficult um and i I thought it would be more and i've definitely had more difficulty before i think doing this this project and practicing writing actually like if i wrote the story you know two years ago i think it would have been a lot lot more difficult not to mention you know just overall worse but Mm -hmm. uh over the course of of doing the right thing over a year i've actually I feel like I've broken down that writer's block uh, okay, barrier nice. a lot. I mean, of course, it still happens sometimes, but it's not nearly as as bad um, anymore. So, so I, the reason I'm saying that is just you know for listeners that are struggling with that, like that's that's totally normal. You're not weird for struggling with writer's block, but you know eventually it gets easier. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be sure. Yeah, and then also but, with uh, that with that practice, I mean, I definitely see uh, whatever section of the mind kind of brings about all these ideas as at least for me working like a muscle right to where Mm -hmm. the more that you delve into there and try to act and try to access a lot of those ideas the easier it will become over time to win i mean at least for for me the big hope is that those ideas go hand in hand with my everyday life you know to where it's so easy Mm -hmm. to kind of to kind of access that other side of the brain to where it's uh, natural and uh, seamless. So, I mean, I, that's why I do the right thing to kind of get to that point. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I think about this theme a lot and other themes a lot. And I think, you know, when you recognize the stuff that you've been thinking about and when you've like articulated it in different ways, I think translating it into something like this actually gets fairly, because you, like I, I already had like basically a bunch of points that I think about, right? I don't just think about, I don't think about the summary of it, right? I don't think about self-sacrifice is is bad if you do it too much, mm-hmm. right? I don't think about that. I think about the feelings of the internal struggle that I have thinking about it. Mm. And that is multiple points of an argument rather than just just the one. Yeah. And so going through each of those those points, you know, each of those feelings and, and just, you know, finding that way to translate them is it feels pretty natural of course part of it and i don't know my answer to this own question is i don't know how much of that was just because i just like happened to have like a a a setting slash conflict problem that actually translated pretty well um like i can imagine a scenario i guess where like i start writing one story and the theme that i want to explore with it is like pretty much incompatible um Mm -hmm. So I'm not entirely sure, but uh, at the same time, there's also like a lot of different permutations this could go on. You know, it could be medicine. It could be, I don't know, uh, magic energy rather than water. Um, you know, it, there's there's a lot of actually different options. Basically, I've already said this. We've already articulated it a couple of times, but if you find the theme, I think if you find the things that you think about, 
if you find the things that you're struggling with, translate them to a page, I think gets pretty easy. And I think it makes it for a better story. I think this is actually, this is one of my favorite stories that I've written in a very long time. So um, probably probably my, my top five favorite stories that I've, I've written. So Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Because it's one of those things that I, yeah, I, I care a lot about. So Yeah. Uh, so even though this story is shining, you know, even though it is like a great foot, foot forward, Uh, All that glitters is sadly not gold. And we can always work (laughs) on even our best of works. So, uh, if you had a second opportunity, let's say unlimited time, a whole weekend, a nice bottle of of wine by a cozy fire in the winter, uh, how would you Mm -hmm. go about trying to reconstruct this story? And and what would you add to it? So, like I said, uh, there's more explorations of the theme that I would include in there. I would include more of that internal conflict, you know, maybe especially probably add more of why this girl cares so much about the boy. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't actually know what their relationship is. You just know that she feels that she can't let him go. And, well, you know, what, what are the, what are the reasons for that? And what are the, like, there's, there's several other thoughts and feelings that I have about this kind of situation that did just, I didn't have space for. Mm-hmm. And, so yeah, I would I would be making space for those as well. So I mean, this story could be probably another two thousand words long without the plot changing at all. Yeah, so. definitely. And I think that is a really great I, uh, idea because I know as I was reading it, that was something that was kind of thirsting for. Also, is uh, because they have this connection, I would like to get some sort of indication of what kind and exactly how how yeah. deep and like why she is so willing to sacrifice so so many things yeah. for this other person beyond it of course being the right thing to do right yeah there's there's multiple things there of like one yeah what 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 is their connection why does she you know feel that particular like tie right mm-hmm. but additionally it's like I, I, there's there's two answers like if you just say because he's family right just that is not enough why yeah. should you sacrifice everything for family or whatever is also a question to ask for me it's always been with something like that that like I, I could not consider myself a good person if I if I didn't mm-hmm. um yeah and you know where does that come from and how how valid is that idea and, and what is what is the correct answer in this sort of situation because it's not it, it's also especially to the to the girl it's not so straightforward as just oh just you know do the utilitarian thing and you know make sure that at least one person gets out of there especially because you know especially like she didn't know that she was going to to die um that this yeah that they wouldn't like there was a risk but she didn't know you know mm-hmm. yeah um so uh as we ask every week what did you learn in writing this what did you learn about theme or just about your own writing process in general it, this is another reminder and I, I hate to you know be repeating things um especially you know over the course of multiple episodes and stuff but uh, just just that I, I have these feelings and I have these, you know, themes and ideas and I should be writing them down more because it, it felt right going through it, especially as I was picking up momentum and like thinking of the stuff that I, I wanted to carry out. And um, it, we only talked a little bit about the, the tone, this, you know, more storytelling vague thing, but uh, it was, you know, it's it, it feels a lot easier and more natural sometimes than to pick a, a very esoteric setting and and outline every single piece of detail in the scene and all the character names and all the powers and whatnot. I mean, those are 
super, super fun. Obviously, I do a podcast and I'm listening where I, I do really, really like those things. But uh, when writing, you know, specific themes, especially short stories, sometimes it's it's perfectly all right to, you know, just go vague and sacrifice details in favor of more space for these kind of complications and, and, and thought processes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, well, thank you so much for bringing this story to us this, this week. I really mm-hmm. loved reading it. I'm glad you did. So now, it's on to our listener-submitted story section. As we say every week, we're going to spoil all of these stories profusely. So please, if you haven't read the stories that we are about to talk about right here, right now, then stop right now, go listen to them, and come on back so we can talk about them. And the stories that we are going to be talking about this week are by Ghost Pac-Man 4, Kamikaze Tomato, Wild Bow, Ace of Sword, and Starless Night. That's right. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to talk about all of these. These were these were really, really, really great stories. And of course, uh, so many others on the uh, on the thread were really, really good. So actually, I mean, I would recommend everyone to read all the stories because uh, they were really good this week. Exactly. And the first one up is by Ace of Sword with Omens. Yeah. So uh, Ace of Sword in the comments talks about how it's been a it's been a, a little bit since they uh, last submitted. Um, and so this one's a little bit shorter, but I, I still very much appreciate it, and, uh, and I think it outlines a cool story. So um, this this scene is essentially a, a secretary going to the duke, uh, which we assume is the leader of of this sort of area or nation, uh, explaining to the duke uh, all the the reports of what's going on in and outside the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So uh, taxes are being paid. However, the the orcs are starting to raid the border, which they haven't done in a while. And the the duke repeatedly, with all these threats, is uh, kind of. Uh, dismissive of them and thinking they're dumb forever rising up again after they've already lost before mm-hmm. so uh, the orcs are rising up and then in the the inhabitants of the broken empire are are starting to rise up with these dark shaman and cultists and whatnot and again the duke sort of dimis- dismisses them and then they talk about how at the the summer uh, ceremony there was a there was a bad omen but again the duke is kind of dismissing it there, it was just a single cloud in the sky and with all of these we're kind of like we, we are following the logic of the duke and we're like okay yeah that is that doesn't sound actually too bad and yeah i mean a single cloud is kind of ridiculous to be a bad omen and you know if it's just some random people it's not that bad but th- through all of them in this sort of repeated this repeated thing we kind of i think start to suspect that maybe things are actually not so good as the Duke thing thinks and that maybe things are going to go kind of bad in the future. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a, a nice little, the ominous note to end on talking about these uh, bad prophecies, dark prophecies that are uh, happening in these cursed lands. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, I think this story does a great job in building up this, this world. Um, and I don't know if I've said anything about it on the podcast, but recently I have been rewatching bright for the fourth time. Uh, and a lot of things within this kind of remind me of... <laughs> so just just real quick, uh, you're talking about Bright, the Netflix original movie with Will Smith, yes, uh, with Wilson Will Smith, yes. and mm-hmm. um, you've watched you've watched it five, five, four or five times. How four, many times? I, I think because I watched it again yesterday, so so I've uh-huh. so I've seen it five five different times, and to this day okay. I still think it is the uh, biggest misstep. I've ever seen when it can't when it comes to a to a fantasy idea because it had a lot of promise. Uh-huh. But I, but I say all that to say that uh, some of the mo some of the motifs of just the class ranking uh, is very similar to that movie. But on this story specifically, I really do like how 
we start off in uh, this place of power, talking to this duke about, about all these uh, all these different things happening. Everything that is that is talked about seems to be meeting the status quo, but throughout the entire story, there's this kind of looming danger, this these these omens, and I think that tension is set up very nicely throughout the the story, uh, up until where we get to the very end, where now I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what these omens really bring to this world. So yeah, really great story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they're very flattered that you compared their story to uh, Bright. I think that's um, that's a that's a that's a, a big uh, compliment. Yeah, I mean, towards a, it's a story. They are, they're one step away from finally being Will Smith. And I know that that's been Ace of Swords' personal <laughs> goal. So you're almost there, buddy. Almost I mean, there. it has been mine. So Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Um, I would quit this this podcast so quick just to spend one day as as will. Um, all right, but uh, next story up is by Kamikaze Tomato with a new goalkeeper. That's right. So we follow uh, Mary who has just gone to this alley, and I, and I think we can kind of feel um, Kamikaze Tomato, you know, going through this description and kind of building this this scene in their own mind as as they write. And I, I really enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. this. Uh, alleyway has this cacophony of uh noisemakers right there's all these pans that are uh taking in uh water uh just to make noise there's clinking and clanking swinging things a a thick door swinging in the wind to repeatedly whack against the length of fence um and it kind of comes out to be uh it, it drowns out the noises of of the street and so it kind of becomes as private as an office. I, I just really like that notion. But anyway, we get into the actual scene proper where Mary is is talking to these two people from the the shadows, Heath and this wispy old shadow that, that turns out to be this old man. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they sort of uh, test her. Heath has brought Mary to, to be the new goalkeeper. We learn a little bit about Mary. Uh, she, um, by goal, goalkeeper, we sort of understand her some magical thievery kind of thing going on mm-hmm. um, Mary does this interesting thing with uh, she hides essentially works on behalf of the library hiding books that have just been turned in so that they become late and that the person has to pay a late fee and the library gets more funding to buy more books uh, <laughs> so that she can get a handle on presumably mm-hmm. Uh, as she's, you know, we get some motivations. We find that, you know, really quirky. I, I thought it was a really endearing story. Uh, but we finish off with um, them basically accepting her as a as a new goalkeeper um, and that they're going to go do a job right now. Um, <laughs> the old man turns around, a shadow door opens up, and, you know, she's surprised. She's like, okay, well, uh, I guess so. And then they go and they, they go do stuff. They The, the two... Uh, Heath and the old man are gonna go steal stuff while uh, Mary has to guard for the uh, things from the other side passing through uh-huh. as as the goalkeeper. It's uh, it's such a cool story. Uh, I love the mystery that's set up with this alley and how it is described is very is very excellent. It's 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 quite tangible how it's being uh, described and then these the 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 old man in the shadow has this great mystery to it and i think this is yeah just a really great scene that is written here and the dialogue back and forth is giving so much characterization to this main character along with with the the others so um i think the only thing that i'm really looking forward to is kind of seeing what sort of otherworldly creatures are going to try to get through this this gate and exactly mm. what the <clears throat> other side of this i guess portal 
really looks like and i'm eager to see how they describe that so yeah really great scene really great story yeah my favorite part is just mary's uh, characterization and, and her her actions i thought it was very very endearing oh very yeah all right so the next story is by wild bow with sign yeah um, interesting interesting username um, yeah very interesting. that one um in fact, I think I've I think I've heard that before somewhere. I think yeah, I think some somewhere. Yeah. somewhere. I don't know where. I don't know where. Um, yeah, the, the the writing the writing style feels somewhat familiar. Yeah, very f- and so of course, yeah, yeah Wildbow author Worm uh, <laughs> wrote an entry. He's written a couple of entries um, in, for do the right thing before. They've all been uh, absolutely brilliant, and I recommend that people go and read all the others. Um, Wildbow uh, mentioned um, on the Discord that uh, he started writing a story based on the words, and then uh, started sort of thinking that. He, he could do a short serial about it um, and reframed it in his head to make it a sort of teaser or concept snip um, for the for the idea. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to for our podcast to have inspired, you know, an idea, um, especially so interesting as as this one. So <clears throat> to, to get into it. So it, it's a little bit long, so I'm not going to go as as beat by beat as we usually do. Uh, but so we start off with kind of a, a lot of. Uh, world building and, and, and through setting description that's really quite fascinating as we uh, figure out what this world is and, and how it works Th- to, to sum up actually again uh, everyone please go read it beforehand because I think um, reading this is, is kind of that the discovery as you're reading it is part of the enjoyment so um, yeah go, go do that rather than listening to me summarizing pause now <laughs> and then go um, <laughs> so this is sort of like a a uh, post-apocalyptic prison planet is 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 what we're getting hints of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have this small cast of characters. This our first one, uh, our main character. Uh, I think her name is Shield. Shield. Yeah. Uh, she's the last one of her entire group. Everyone on this planet, uh, all, all the humans on this planet, are are covered in these intricate cybernetic glyph markings. Is is how I'm imagining them, uh, and everyone's minds has sort of been scooped out of all their their memories and only leaving the, their their skills and, and such. So we have this this small group all named with like descriptive names, right? Box and uh, Shield and uh, what's the, what's the third one? Shield Box. There's Vault. V- vault. Vault. Yeah. So uh, they they all have the different skill sets. And they're working together to survive. Basically, there's all the, they also have like cybernetic enhancement and stuff. Um, but we are concerned as they've been followed by something called the moth, which um, we can't that they are not supposed to look at or hear or see or anything or really you know perceive it at all because that harms them, which is a fascinating idea. And I'll, I'll connect the. I'll, I'll connect to some other things in, the, in a second. So uh, Valve is keeping on watch for the moth, who's he's kind of useless. We you know we get a complicated uh, some feelings about them. The the moth shows up and its sounds basically start causing brain damage to Valve uh, and or to Vault, sorry. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just terrifying and the just the very idea that these um, sort of like overlapping whispers you know worm into. Uh, their mind and they kind of start reverting to like a childlike state and they're twitching and it's really horrible Uh, but they escape and then they get to basically this small garden that they've been trying to reach um, the the three of them yeah, but there's another thing there, the glyph, which is an image-based thing rather than sound-based through some Herculean tasks um, 
she's able or shield is able to kill it uh, but but not before you know having to witness it a little bit and causing more brain damage her eyes like permanently twitching closed uh she's having trouble thinking of some things it's really quite horrifying mm-hmm. and but she's able to kill it uh the moth is still somewhere out there uh but they you know the the thing is over uh vault is basically brain dead but they also encounter some pods of, of other humans and we see out in the sky this um gigantic mechanical things covering multiple planets and we're super concerned about what exactly is going on over there um it, these humans being reprogrammed into machines or something of the sort anyway terrifying ideas uh, of greater world building uh, but anyway we finish off with uh, opening up these pods of other humans they've they're kind of being inducted into the 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 group which really only has like one functioning member left uh vault is is dead um box is mostly okay uh, but S.H.I.E.L.D. you know, can't go on and it's just going to sit down and try to give advice to the next person that, that passes by. And the, the new pod people uh, are going to try to survive just like she did and how she failed. Really dark, really fascinating. Um, I really, really enjoyed it and I think everyone should go yeah, read it. Yeah, I mean, this story is such a ride. Uh, and the world building is on point. I love how we are just automatically dropped into this fan- fantastical world. And yeah, I just really love all of these characters. Like they all have their they all have their own thing going for them, and and I can see how each one could be rooted for. Uh, and I love the mystery of this moth that's just in the background constantly. And yeah, there are just so many different elements of this story that are working so well in tandem with one another that I think the only thing I can really say is that please go and go and read this. Uh, it's, it's definitely a really great well thought out story that i'm surprised wild bow was able to write so much in only 30 minutes <laughs> okay well it probably it probably went a little bit over like we yeah, do so but, probably not exactly 30 but minutes, still but, being um, being able to drop this this on us while just writing off of the cuff it's fantastic yeah 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 it was not something with with additional planning and and i, I mean i'm sure that you know he's had you know some some thoughts related to this that didn't come it, completely out of the void but I, I got the understanding that this wasn't like a an idea that wild bill already had sitting around uh so yeah it's just really yeah really fascinating um it, what, it, what i find so interesting about it is that we we get answers to a lot of questions and yet having those answers does not give us enough to to understand everything that's going on it just makes us more curious right we know some other planet we know that people are dropping from the sky we know that there's a, some mechanical threat happening, but we have no idea what it is. I mean, our, our character doesn't know what these things are either. And yeah, that's what makes it so, so interesting. Oh, the, the last thing I wanted to connect it to is um, it reminds me of um, other info hazards. And I think this is a really good introduction to the concept of in, info hazards. There's um, a, a short story. I forget the author, but it's a sci-fi short story called, um, I think it's called The Basilisk. Oh, which, I, you know, I know exactly you what know you're that, talking Well, you, you know the, the internet th- thing that, that was named after the short story. But the short story, mm-hmm. which I'd prefer to talk about, it has uh, these uh, basically like internet trolls but real life they just want to hurt people um they spray paint you know this image this basilisk uh that if you look at it you uh go brain dead basically Mm. right but the way that they the way that they're able to do it themselves is that they have these uh goggles that 
basically make everything into like a bunch of sh- shards like you can't actually see what's going on you, you wear these goggles and the, your entire vision is just like like a bug's vision right like a fly right mm-hmm. uh, broken up into these images so you can almost barely like can tell where you're going but that's it and uh so this person's putting down this troll's putting down the the basilisk before they're they're caught by the police then uh they they are brought to you know their to, to the cell and they have to sit in there for a very long time and while they're in there they're they're thinking about what they saw right they saw they looked at the basilisk but they had the goggles but then as they're thinking about it they realize that they've worn the goggles long enough to be able to decipher what is actually the image right and so then they start putting it together in their heads and they're not able to stop themselves and then in their heads they reconstruct the image of the basilisk and then it hurts them and they they go brain dead and that's the end of the story so uh yeah anyway that reminded me uh this reminded me reminded me of that which i think is a fascinating story too so yeah definitely definitely uh all right so next up is starless night with do the bat thing mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah so i read the title and immediately the arctic monkey song uh came into my head and i was <laughs> listening to it the whole time so this is a, a really uh interesting story as well um so we, we kind of get the, the premise for this entire story immediately with um, Marcus says, so what do you think? And then the response flashed into Sam's, Sam's mind like lightning. I want to see what the inside of your eye looks like. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, then goes, he caught the thought seconds after its birth and drowned it in the depths of his mind. Um, rather than letting that thought loose, he smiled and put the paper down. So uh, basically the story talks a lot about um, intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting a very distressing exploration of it they, they feel even stronger than than normal intrusive thoughts and they almost it almost feels like the more that sam the main character is is struggling with them the more attention is paid to them the stronger they are uh-huh. that's that's kind of the the feeling i got so repeatedly uh we go through this conversation marcus is you know asking about homework sort of stuff and it just seems like a friendly you know bantering you know conversation it's it's actually very pleasant uh, but every single, you know, exchange, um, Sam is actually like really, really, really struggling with not thinking about, you know, s- stabbing Marcus with a pen or um, like looking at his brain. And we really explore this in- internal this turmoil that, that Sam has. And, you know, they, they kind of hate themselves. Uh, he kind of hates himself for, for having it, um, especially because he's also thinking about like even worse thoughts that are not even physical, right? Like um, we only get the illusion, but uh, of just how horrible of a person you have to be to, to think those thoughts, uh, or at least how horrible you must think of yourself if you think those mm-hmm. thoughts. We finally finish off with uh, they're going to be walking home and uh, they stop by the street and immediately, you know, as soon as we hear about a street and and see the cars whizzing by we're like oh no um <laughs> well at the very at the at very best we're gonna have a, a series of intrusive thoughts about pushing someone into traffic but then comes the, the final thought here sam was ready to push the idea away without a second thought but then something hit him the only way to satisfy his curiosity is to fulfill it children learn not to touch things when it burned them they were never curious about them again so if we were to touch something to do something bad just once then maybe this would stop Maybe he could be free of this maddening curiosity. And then, uh, hey, Marcus, uh, Sam put his hand on his shoulder. Could he help me with something? <laughs> yeah, sure, man. What do you need? And uh, get the implication there that um, Post him in the street. things don't end well for Marcus. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, this is such a great uh, exploration of those intrusive thoughts. And I think they are captured very well. How they can come out. Uh, how they can come out of the blue. And it seems that the more you suppress them, the more prevalent they really are. And I think that's a really great thing that that's going for this story. Um, and I love how these very morbid thoughts are the backdrop to a very mundane, uh, a very mundane conversation about this other person's paper. Um, and yeah, overall, I think it's a really well crafted scene. Yeah, I just I just really love love reading it, and I just had this kind of skin crawly feeling throughout because yeah. I just knew that it uh, it would end with something happening, and I love how the how the writer didn't really give us that; they gave us the the implication of something happening that just keeps us thinking about it. So yeah, really well done, really well crafted story. Yeah, uh, definitely echoed with my own struggles with intrusive thoughts. I had them more like in in high school and stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I remember r- really struggling with that. Uh, tangent. I don't know if you were, had the same thing, Jarvis, but as a kid, I like definitely worried a lot about accidentally making myself develop obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay. Of just like, like I think to, I thought about uh, not stepping on cracks in the in the sidewalk like really really hard yes. sometimes like it started off as a game but then it became something that i was like actually like concerned about and i was concerned that i was concerned about it and there was there was other times you know stuff where i cared too much about numbers or um other curiosities and i feel like i mean i don't know how organically it can happen but there's there's definitely been been times especially as a kid where i was like really worried about not being in control of my own thoughts right like yeah. like you know when you can't like a like an earworm where you can't stop thinking of a song right and it just does the same thing over and over again i would have that but just like random thoughts or images um like like having a gif in your head mm-hmm. that doesn't go away um and it was really really distressing and i was worried that it would happen forever so yeah no and it didn't but like i i wonder if i'm alone in that no i mean i've had a very similar experience like as a child also, I would not want to step on cracks or like any sort of uh, boundaries to where for many years within my, my life. Uh, okay, so in your high school or middle school, did you have floor tiles that kind of like alternated colors? Yeah. So for a very long time, up until I think sophomore year of, of like high school, I would actively make sure that i only stepped on black tile and Mm -hmm. it was this weird thing in my head where if i stepped on a white tile i wouldn't have a good day uh and i think it was kind of um what's the word it was reinforced because the times i did step on white tiles the day wouldn't be that good but it could have just been me thinking that the day would be bad that that the day basically turned out bad um, and then yeah. even now in my uh, uh, in my later life, I have a lot of those in truth, those intrusive thoughts like uh, every single last day I will just be doing something and then I will like hear or feel the the idea of something saying um, don't forget. I don't know what I'm supposed to not forget. Apparently, I've, I've already forgotten <laughs> it, but just those and that just happens and it'll just echo constantly throughout throughout the day and that coupled with every yeah. other intrusive thought that i have of just like hey what if i uh step in the road or hey what if i just like slept in the park 
and just like certain things like that uh things that of course you don't act upon but no those in true those intrusive thoughts are very real and very relevant yeah very concerning <laughs> the human brain is terrible it's 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 absolutely terrifying and the worst part is that uh a lot of times it doesn't make sense as to why we are thinking these mm-hmm. things but i think the beauty of it is that uh it is very natural across the board so you know there's there's no reason to really feel um kind of like the black sheep in a sense when you do have these these mm-hmm. thoughts i wonder i wonder if animals can develop obsessive compulsive disorder i'm sure some do but i wonder how yeah, many um no, yeah, that that's a really good question. Or maybe, or maybe heard... that's just a consequence of like having a a society with like language and stuff and like categorizing things. Yeah, uh, it, it it could just be like a big brain thing. Uh, yeah, galaxy brain galaxy problems. Brain. <laughs> uh, but but thank you very much, uh, Starless Knight, for your great story. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for for helping me think about this stuff. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah. next up is Ghost Pac Man Four with. Which direction? So we uh, start off with this um, uh, pretty unpleasant scene with a fire, a wave of fire uh, flowing over our main character, scorching them down to the bone and then down through their soul. And they burned and burned, uh, reducing them to nothing but the fire that used to be their body. But then the the ash gives way to life um, and plants and then animals and eventually sentience. And uh, then them, the this new version of them. And so once uh, they are alive, they, you know, they think about that the wave, the wave of fire is going to pass around once more. So they go east, right, trying to outrun it. But then that's where the goalkeeper is. The That's not going to let them pass. So the goalkeeper basically uh, beats them down um, and says that you, you cannot pass. And then the main character just waits until the fire comes and, and burns them just as bad as before. Uh, then they go north and they go to this wall of ice and they try to climb it. And while the fire does pass below, eventually all the the ice melts and they fall into the fire anyway. Uh, then they go south and they come to a, a great void and they fling themselves off. But that's not even enough to uh, escape the flames. And then finally, this this last time, they just sit down and look at the sky and... Um, the, the lines are, there was nothing I could do, so I would just enjoy the time until it came. And then I couldn't suppress the fear of the coming wave to truly enjoy myself. And then it came and dashed away even that meager happiness. So um, pretty uh, depressing ending here, pretty <laughs> depressing train of thought. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the point of this, right? This sort of inevitability of, of pain and, um, I mean, death perhaps, Um Ghost Pac-Man asks uh, what we think that the the theme is, and um, you know I think there's there's multiple answers here. It depends on what you're a- analogizing the, the the flame to. You know if it's death or pain mm-hmm. or I don't know something else. But uh, yeah, it, there's a couple of things that that it, it could be. And the, the the thing that would make our main character happiest is if they actually could suppress the worry enough for them to actually enjoy themselves. But um, they worry too much that so they can't. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is a really great story. Uh, and as you said, it is very depressing, but purposefully so. It's, uh, And I think the great thing is that there are so many possible meanings that you can really derive from this, whatever the, this flame really is. Uh, I think that's just a testament to how great this story really is. I mean, there are multiple facets that you can really latch on to. And then the main character at the end, it is sad that this wave is going to hit. 
but throughout the entire piece there's this sense of there's a sense of inevitability that's very strong throughout and it definitely drives it home so really great story yeah um and also uh to to be fair to the main character um mr main character uh you're also immortal so like a little bit of flame every every lifetime isn't that bad in comparison mm, it's not that I'm just bad. saying i'm just saying I'm just saying. I mean, I would prefer to be swallowed by a flame for a very long time if it meant that I could, you know, keep on doing stuff in the meantime for a very long time. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Just, just saying. saying. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe appreciate it. <laughs> maybe appreciate the fact that you come back after being burned by a f- yeah, fire. Just saying. We don't all come back after that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The, the, all the, the grasses and the birds exactly. didn't. Exactly. So. Well, all right. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted a story this week. Without what you do, uh, there would be no do the right thing. Just two people talking about their own stories. Very, very narcissistic like. Um, But we want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who did submit a story this week. So thank you very much to Sarah Penguin. Thank you to Paradox. Thank you, Ace of Sword. Thank you, Kamikaze Tomato. Thank you, Wildbow. Thank you, Starless Knight, our, our new new submitter. Thank mm-hmm. you for joining us. Thank you, Jarby Jazz. Thank you, Ghost Pac-Man 4. And also, we uh, want to say thank you to, to Paradox for leaving comments uh, under other people's stories. Uh, not only is leaving comments beneficial for yourself so you can have a better keen eye when it comes to analyzing text, but also uh, it's great to give someone else that feedback because... Uh, I mean that's the whole point. That's the whole point of us posting our stories in the subreddit is to get that feedback. So thank you very much, Paradox, this week for uh, leaving comments uh, under other people's stories. That's right, and and do keep in mind that every time that you leave a comment on someone else's story, that I mean that certainly incentivizes them to go and leave a, uh, a comment on yours or or someone else's. So uh, by you know. By, by helping someone else out by by reading their story by you know having their their voice be heard and 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 telling them how you you feel about it uh you're not only helping them you're also helping yourself um they both in the roundabout way of you know get, getting them perhaps to also leave a comment but uh, additionally that you are sharpening your own analysis skills so uh yeah absolutely consider doing that yourself and of course you get an increased chance of getting selected every single week uh that you do that so do keep that in mind yes exactly uh if you want to be like all of these wonderful writers uh and write a story within 30 minutes uh you can do that by going to our subreddit which is slash r slash do the right thing all you have to do is pick whatever week's words you want to write about set a timer for 30 minutes and get to writing. That's right. And if you don't have a Reddit account and you want to send in your story or just want to tell us what's up, you can send us an email at rightthingcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see next week's words and have as much time as possible to write your story for that week, well, you should just wait till the end of this podcast. But... If you want to do that and have a secondary reference or something, you can go to our Twitter, which is at RightThingCast. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll have access to the words. You'll be notified about the new words before that the next episode comes out, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's, 
that's the benefit. Um, and uh, of course, you also get other announcements like our uh, announcements that we're actually going to be on hiatus for one week mm-hmm. starting next week. So uh, I'm going out of town on a trip that I did not uh, consent to beforehand, but I have to go anyway. So <laughs> um, there's going to be one missing episode from uh, this podcast and Decomposing Worm uh, the next week. So uh, that is that is unfortunate, but that's how it's going. When we get back, um, one thing that we want to point out is that when we get back, we will uh, be talking about five stories from from each Both week. Weeks, we'll be talking yeah. about five stories of, of, of this week coming up. So don't worry. Uh, if you leave your stories, you have the exact same amount of being talked about, uh, exact amount of chance of being talked about as any other time. And then, of course, if you leave a story the week after, you get another chance. So, I mean, there's even a chance that you might have uh, two of your stories talked about. So, yeah, I, I absolutely consider doing that. In fact, I think that probably most people that, that write for each of those weeks will will be selected. So, yeah, definitely uh, consider doing that. So there won't be an episode, but there will be words, and we do encourage you to do the right thing. Exactly. And if you want to, throw us a little bit of support uh, and just help us create the content that we hope you enjoy uh, watching and listening to, uh, you can support us by going to the Doof Media uh, Patreon. Basically, by spending a dollar or more per month, you will get access to the Doof Media Discord, which is filled with wonderful people looking to have great conversations. And on top of that, you are supporting us and making the the content that we love to to make and the content that we hope you enjoy. That's right. Uh, one uh, additional you know benefit is that the five dollar at the five dollar level, the the doof dancer level, you get access to our doof and chill um, sessions, which are our monthly you know variety show kind of things where we all uh, do a different thing. <clears throat> uh, this month, actually, last week, uh, me and Clarence, uh, we did a, basically an interview with um, Matt and Scott. They you know asked a bunch of questions. We ended up talking about worm a lot because, of course, that's that's what we all enjoy. You know, the, the, we we're all doing podcasts about worm, um, so. Uh, yeah, but it was a really, really enjoyable conversation. Clarence had a good time. I had a good time. And um, we hope that you guys learned a little bit more about us during it. So if you're a $5 patron, you can find that on, on patreon.com. I think next month uh, we are playing Fiasco. I think Scott, Ooh. Matt, and uh, I forget exactly who else is in, is involved, but they're playing the... the I don't saying RPG implies too much Dungeons and Dragons to it, but it is it is a role playing game mm-hmm. where, with lots of drama. I've seen it played before, and it seems like a lot of lot of fun to to watch and, and play. So, um, yeah, absolutely consider donating at, at that level. Definitely. And Matthias, what is going on in Doof? Um, so as I mentioned, right there's that that Doof and Chill, and um, uh, for just 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 to mention some some other things uh the doofcast next week is uh on psychopaths the first season of that anime so um consider tuning into that um i and of course even though i've been i've been plugging it almost every single week on both of my podcasts uh i want to again call out the the game club that is happening uh, next i think next next friday night 9 30 p.m central standard time the doof game club is is happening and they're covering the video game ftl so Again, uh, if you haven't played it before, you know, you can go ahead and, and download it right now on the day that it comes out. You should have enough time to play it to, to really get and understand what's going on. It's an incredible game. It's probably only maximum like $15. Um, it's brilliant. It's, it's going to be my top 10 games of all time uh, for a very long time, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And it's a cute uh, game where you do uh, your... your uh, the captain of a spaceship uh, fighting against others, very Star Trek style, so you manage your crew and whatnot. 
Um, and I really can't wait to hear Elliot and Ruben talk about it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good time. <clears throat> nice, nice, nice. Uh, all right. So let's talk about next week's words. So next, so next week's words are going to be arch monkey opposed and up. And the theme for next week is going to be illusion. So, so the words were arch as in like, um, like the the architectural part, and although in fact I think you could you could use architecture as as a word, it's A R C H, mm-hmm. or you could use um arch archduke right, archduke archduke. I can never figure if you're supposed to pronounce the 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 K sound, or you could use archaeology. You know you you got plenty of uh, of options here. And then additionally you have a monkey, which is a uh, a a kind of animal that is related to humans, um some somewhat um. You could or do a monkey wrench, which is a kind of wrench. I don't know what kind of wrench it is, but it is. It's a big um, one. There's also monkeying around, which is acting like a monkey. Uh, the next word is opposed, which is uh, when something is against something else or s- something on the opposing side, the opposite side. Uh, and then up, which is the opposite of down. <laughs> it's opposed to down, in fact. Oh, um, okay. So, Jarvis. Yes. You're the one writing next week. I am. What story are you going to write? Uh, my story is going to be a little bit down to earth, right? Um, I've been watching a lot of Air Bud recently. Uh, and also learning right. a lot more about Michael Jackson, which has brought me to want to write a story about a monkey, a monkey named Bubbles. Um, and this monkey okay. sp- specifically has been trained to the point of being able to work at McDonald's, also known as the Golden Arches, right? And <laughs> a lot of people are opposed <laughs> to this monkey handling yeah. their uh, their food, getting their their cash, and overall providing them with good customer service because sadly <laughs> the barrier is that the monkey can't speak in anything beyond sign language and our school system has failed us in trying to to, to teach us that for for the right portion right. of our schooling so this this mute monkey is trying his best to really serve these these orders um and he's doing it all for food you know this monkey doesn't really know about money nor does he care um and uh, and honestly he puts his best foot forward and does the best job that he possibly can but people just aren't as accepting as they used to be so on a very sad and very fateful night when this monkey was locking up the the store, turning off the the lights, cleaning the ice cream machine, uh, four mm-hmm. four goons with fire and and pitchforks come busting in, trying to get this monkey. And, th- and thankfully, the monkey runs out. But uh, uh-huh. those those four goons, those horrible four people set that mcdonald's ablaze light it up now the monkey is without a job not able to really make ends meet so eventually he just has to go back to selling bananas wow yeah that's a that's a really tragic story that's a tragic story that's a that's a rags to slightly better rags to rags yeah yeah sadly there are no riches for monkeys that's right there's that's i mean that's how the saying the saying goes that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there is there is there's no riches for monkeys no there's riches no riches for, for monkeys. monkeys and speaking about riches what story are you gonna write next week even though you aren't writing uh, i'm not writing this week but if i did i would write this story 
where uh, we're following the story of uh, the Archmage of a uh, kingdom that spans the entire universe. Oh. So the entire universe is one one kingdom, and this is the Archmage of that kingdom, who it so happens to be is actually a octopus. Oh wow! So uh, this octopus Archmage, right? He's got eight arms, which actually he um, he made an extra arm so he actually has nine arms he's got nine arms as the arch mage and he's uh he's doing lots of magic right he's flinging his arms around he's got uh nine wands in his hands but he accidentally uh flicks his uh one of his tentacles the wrong way and uh casts a spell that turns everyone in the universe into monkeys which is not great not great um in fact it's actually so pervasive that every single organism turns into a monkey of the appropriate size right so you have elephant sized monkeys you have people sized monkeys you actually have bacteria sized monkeys running around on the microscopic level which is really quite uh, distressing and disturbing um, the only other uh, other difference is uh, where where plants uh, they keep their green coloration, but they are still monkey shaped. They just don't move. So uh, everything's been turned into monkeys. It's it's really uh, quite concerning. So the, um, the the but the only thing that hasn't been turned into monkey is of course the the octopus. So the um, the the other uh, the arch arch uh, wizard. Uh, who's actually always been opposed to the to, to the octopus, to giving the octopus uh, archmage so much power. Um, the archwizard uh, starts a campaign to uh, bring the octopus down for crimes against. Um, oh, I, I want to say humanity, but it's more like monkey monkey manity to, to, to the universe to the universe the crimes against the universe and leads uh, an uprising. But actually, uh, it was the archwizard that uh, sabotaged the octopus's archmage's wand um switching um well actually just when the archwizard handed the wand to the octopus uh he flipped it um up and around so that the end that was supposed to be pointing at himself was pointing at um everything else so the octopus was actually just trying to turn himself into a monkey and instead turned everything else in the universe into a monkey and um yeah it's this really really just a un- unfortunate story um and i i mean i already already used the word so that that's just the end of it right there uh <laughs> and then uh, a lot of people died because there's just there's not there's not meant to be cellular sized monkeys and it's just it didn't, just didn't work out so wow that's a very tragic story mm-hmm. honestly it is um yeah and i think the only thing that like i'm really thinking about is like what was the right choice there yeah i don't i mean that that's that's always that's always a question it's like you know in a world gone mad you know you know like i mean this this world is crazy you know it's it's like uh it's like if you get a million you know monkeys typing on typewriters Uh right you eventually come out with every single you know outcome and it's it's like in, in which of those outcomes you know is in which outcome is is do you do you do the right thing you know yeah what's what what is the do the right thing yeah all right